the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans. Plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies. Strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese. Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered to Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic, and Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Can you believe it was 19 degrees this morning at my house, and the wind was howling? I mean, it must have been 30 miles an hour. It felt, supposedly it felt like zero degrees outside. So you just, you just I'm walking over to the, uh, to the barn and you just lean into the wind and uh, it, it, uh, it's really blowing. So just getting a boat, you know, it's, it's, that's the good news this, this weekend is that we're going to get above 40 sometime this weekend. So... Just getting above freezing will be an event worth celebrating. But remember, it'll soon be spring. And I'm looking forward to seeing the robins and the red-winged blackbirds again. The robins will start to arrive in maybe two or three weeks. Last year, the robins showed up at the last week in February. And two years ago, they showed up at the first week in March. So it might be the first week in March before they make their appearance. Because it's been a cold winter. I don't see any green shoots out there yet in the garden, but uh, I'll bet I'll see them by the next weekend if the rabbits don't get to the first. Typically, the rabbit, I've got one rabbit, I can see him 
uh, sometimes out there with the snow and I can see his tracks all over. You know, they, they come along and they nip the, the uh, green shoots off. So the last three weeks, you know, the snow and the low temperatures have been brutal. So I think everyone's ready for the start of spring. Officially, it's four weeks away, March 20th uh, to be exact. And uh, that's the uh, start of spring. And I have my to-do list of outside doors ready and you know until <laughs> I'm waiting for it to, to warm up and to dry out a little bit but uh, uh, well we were, while we're waiting we can take a look at our investments do our taxes and check in our financial plan uh, this week global equities were mostly down in the US the three major stock indices were down after a volatile week in the UK the FTSE uh, 100 was down uh, close to 2%, while in the European Union, the German DAX, it was down about 2.5%, and the stock uh, Europe 600 was also down around 2%. So in Asia, Japan's Nikkei 225 was down, and in China, the Shanghai Composite was up, but the Hong Kong Hang Seng was down. So all, the, all in all, down the volatile down week for the uh, stock markets on Friday. The three major stock indices closed at uh, the Dow Jones closed at 34,079.18, and that was down 1.9 percent for the week. And the Standard and Poor closed at 4,348.89, that was down 1.58 percent for the week. And the Nasdaq closed at 13,548.06, and that was down 1.76 for the the week. So the stock markets were volatile this week, and with the continuing concerns about the future plans of the Federal Reserve uh, to tame inflation and the highlight and the heightened concern about Russia's possible invasion of the Ukraine. You know, regarding that, uh, possible Russian invasion of the Ukraine. Uh, yesterday, uh, President Biden said, quote, the United States has intelligence uh, showing that President uh, Vladimir Putin of Russia has made a final decision to invade Ukraine, rejecting the final efforts of diplomacy, unquote. He then went on to say that uh, he was speaking, he was President Biden was speaking from the Roosevelt Room in the White House, and he went on to say, we have reason to believe that Russian forces are planning to and intend to attack Ukraine in the coming week or in the coming days, and uh, we believe that they will target Ukraine's capital, uh, Kiev, a city of 2.0 million innocent people, unquote. So... Later asked uh, whether he thinks Mr. Putin is still wavering about whether to invade. Uh, Mr. Biden, uh, President Biden said, quote, I'm convinced he's made the decision, unquote. And later he added that his impression of Mr. Putin's intention is based upon U.S. intelligence. So the president's comments, the second in three days, are basically the clearest indication of how serious the situation is over there. And previously, the president and his top uh, national security aides have said that they didn't know 
whether Mr. Putin had made a final decision to follow through with his uh, threat uh, regarding an invasion, but apparently they feel certain of it now. Uh, neither the United States nor NATO has any commitment to defend Ukraine, but uh, imposing sanctions on Russia will certainly uh, cause volatility generally in, in the markets and specifically in select markets like oil and minerals and wheat. But uh, typically, foreign affairs don't have uh, a lasting effect on the stock market. The stock market focuses on uh, earnings and the uh, projected uh, rise and fall of those earnings. So uh, on the positive side, the economy continues to be strong. The employment situation report from the Department of Labor a couple of weeks ago for January showed a strong labor market, job growth of 467,000, and that was in comparison to an average payroll gain of 555,000 per month in 2021. So that's a testimony to the economy. It basically still needs more workers as it fights its way through part shortages and delivery delays and absent workers. But it also shows a light labor market where the average uh, hour has increased 5.7% over the past 12 months ending in January. So far, the economy is showing its strength with the real gross domestic product increasing at an annual rate of 6.9% in the fourth quarter and the real gross domestic product increased 5.7% for the entire year of 2021. Uh, in giving you some context, those are at 5.7%. We're used to seeing numbers that range anywhere from 1.5% to 2%. So the, the indications are that the economy is strong and the, econ- the strength of the economy also shows up in the fourth quarter earnings results, which we've been going over for the past three weeks. Uh, I think we've got about 90% of the standard and poor have reported so far, and over 85% of the companies have beaten their earnings expectations. And according to a J.P. Morgan report, the fourth quarter earnings shows a year-over-year earnings growth of 40, approximately 43% and a quarter-over-quarter growth of 5.2%. That same report showed that the managers in the Standard & Poor 500 companies have been very effective in protecting their earnings. Their profit margins for the fourth quarter have been tracking at about about 13.2%, and that is only four-tenths of a percent below the second quarter peak of 13.6%. That in the the second quarter is when the stimulus programs were still in effect. And the fourth quarter, uh, they basically ran out by the time of the fourth quarter. So um, the standard and poor managers have basically protected their earnings in spite of the Omicron and the high inflation and the uh, supply chain problems. And the secret to preserving these uh, earnings basically is to pass along the extra cost uh, to the next guy. So 
uh, increased uh, wage growth, uh, raw material cost, uh, uh, delivery problems, uh, inefficiency problems, all that cost gets passed on to the next guy. And finally, uh, it gets passed on to us as the consumer. But basically, uh, we're in a position as the consumers where, hey, you need the food, you need the gas, you need the utilities, uh, you have to pay the price. And uh, even aside from that, uh, the consumer discretionary items are still selling, cars are selling, um, even uh, at uh, increased uh, uh, prices. So uh, most likely, you take a look around and you say, what's the problem since the start of this year with regard to the stock market? And it's basically the question of the Federal Reserve. You know, the Federal Reserve has indicated that, hey, um, they're going to slow this economy down uh, gradually so that the um, demand equal to the supply so we can get the the, uh, the production uh, running efficiently. And, uh, and if we go back to the start of this correction it, it, towards the start of the year, it all started with the uh, release of the federal uh, funds, uh, the Federal Open Market Committee meetings on January 6th, where they first uh, uh, clearly outlined their hawkish intent. And that the... Uh, latest Federal Open Market Committee meeting on uh, January 25th and 26th, the Federal Reserve addressed how it was going to put the brakes on the economy, and they've got basically three major levers that they use. One, they're going to stop the quantitative easing by stopping the bond buying, and that should, they've been buying $120 billion uh, a month uh, of uh, treasury bonds and uh, mortgage-backed securities from Fannie and Freddie, and they've been doing that since uh, uh, February or March, March of uh, 2020, for the last two years. So they're going to they had they started slowing that down in November, and they're finally going to wrap it up uh, on uh, uh, March 9th. And so that's going to be the end of the Fed pumping 120 billion dollars per month into the economy and the second break is they're going to start raising the federal funds rate in mid-march um they have this uh, they have a uh, federal open market committee meeting i think on the 15th and 16th of march the ides of march and uh, uh last summer uh, last uh, september and october when the fed first began to uh, think about conquering this uh, or constraining this uh, uh, inflation. Uh, they were thinking about maybe raising it one percent uh, per year in small steps, you know, like one, you know, four one quarter steps, something like that. But they, at the last meeting of the Federal Open Market Committee meeting at the end of uh, January. Uh, they were very non-committal in, in uh, terms of how much they would raise the uh, federal funds rate. Uh, that's the rate for overnight loaning. Uh, how much they would raise it over the next year, and they just uh, the question was put to them: Are you going to raise it one percent, like you talked about it in September? And the answer was, well, 
you know, the labor market is strong, the economy is strong, and we think we've got a lot of leeway and how much we can raise it. So um, to most people, that meant, well, it's not 1%. What is it? So maybe it's... Uh, Maybe it's one and a quarter, maybe it's one and a half percent. They're going to raise it per year. So we'll see. And then I think we'll go through this turmoil until they finally get down to the middle of March where we, where the Federal Reserve actually does say what they're going to do. Uh, now, uh, the next, uh, the next uh, lever uh, that they have is to uh, start the uh, quantitative tightening. And that is uh, refers to the selling of uh, bonds that the Federal Reserve has accumulated on their balance sheet. It's got something like close to $9 trillion worth of bonds that they bought since the uh, Great Recession in uh, 2008. So uh, the idea has been all along that they when a bond matures, they roll it over into a new bond. So the balance sheet never goes down. But now they're talking the third break, third lever is to start uh, selling these bonds off, which is going to basically suck money out of the economy. So the question there is, uh, when are you going to start doing that? And uh, how fast are you going to do that? So the real danger is for the Federal Reserve to become basically too aggressive in attempts to reduce inflation. And I think that's one of the things that the the stock market is looking at. So uh, if they get too aggressive, that could result in a serious downturn in the the growth rate and maybe even a recession. So hopefully the Federal Reserve won't make a policy mistake and overreact. In fact, I think uh, they, as much as, as everybody else knows, what it's taken to get this economy back on its feet after the uh, after the COVID pandemic in February and March uh, that started it, where the whole economy shut down, and so far the government, federal government, has spent six trillion dollars in fiscal stimulus, and the uh, Federal Reserve has uh, been. Borrowed uh, in uh, uh, buying all sorts of uh, bonds and worth over three trillion dollars. So that investment in the growth of the economy needs to be protected, and I'm sure they know it too. So um, you know the idea here is that uh, be careful, uh, and you can see it kind of in in the comments from the presidents of the Federal Reserve Bank. Some of them are saying the the uh, uh, stability is the watchword. You know, we don't want to do anything to, to really rock the boat. We want to get the inflation down, but we don't want to uh, hurt the, hurt the uh, economy doing it. And the other guys saying, you know, we've got to um, jumpstart this thing with a half a percent uh, increase in the federal funds rate in, uh, in uh, March, um, in the middle of March. So, and we'll see... Who wins in this? Uh, you know, they're going to meet in the middle of March, uh, the Federal Reserve, all the uh, the 12 presidents of the uh, of the uh, Federal Reserve banks around the country, as well as the seven um, members of the uh, Federal Reserve uh, governors. So 
and uh, all the governors will vote as well as four of the uh, uh, the uh, presidents of the uh, 12 Federal Reserve Banks. So it's generally a, a, a unanimous decision, so there'll be a lot of discussion during those two days where you decide what they're going to do, and hopefully we'll get some idea of what they're going to do in terms of interest rate rises and also how they're going to handle this roll-off in the uh, in the bonds that are on the uh, balance sheet. So uh, both of these, both of the headwinds that the economy has been facing, the COVID and the supply chain uh, slowdowns, uh, both of them should begin to moderate. In other words, the, 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 the genesis of the inflation uh, was basically a whole lot of money flowing around with regard to the uh, uh, the stimulus programs that were put into effect, and uh, you know they they uh, perhaps they overdid it, but uh, it was a matter of uh, making sure that uh, the, we didn't go into a recession. So there's there's justification for overdoing it. Uh, and you got to take a look and say, okay, things uh, that caused a lot of people that were staying at home to uh, start to buy things on the uh, uh, hard goods and, and uh, washers and dryers and everything else, and that led to uh, uh, problems with the supply chain. So the supply chain problem uh, was part of it. The COVID problem. Uh, affected the supply chains also because they got gummed up because of the uh, sickness. And uh, what we're seeing now is that the uh, some hints that the uh, uh, the latest COVID uh, pandemic is, is declining. Uh, latest results, according to the New York Times, the Omicron uh, Omicron virus is declining. What they're showing is that new uh, coronavirus cases have declined more than 80% from their peak in mid-January, and but still the daily case cases are 100, approximately 114,000 a day, and that's uh, down 68% in the last two weeks. In Ohio, what we're seeing is about 2,100 cases, new cases a day, and that's down 70% in the last two weeks. And then with regard to the number of people that have been hospitalized nationwide, uh, uh, there's about 85,000 people nationwide that have been hospitalized, and uh, that number has fallen about 30% in the last two weeks. In the case of Ohio, uh, Ohio has about 2,700 people that are hospitalized and that's down 42% in the last two weeks. So, you know, even with regard to the deaths, which are a lagging uh, report, the deaths reports are down to about 2,300 deaths a day nationally, and uh, that's a decrease of more than 10% since the start of the month. In the case of Ohio, that's approximately 112 uh, deaths per day. So... What you're seeing is that the cases are declining in every U.S. state, and uh, all but four states report new uh, reports of new infections are down 
by uh, over 50 percent, except in the last, except in 50 down more than 50 percent in the last two weeks. So, in addition to that, in addition to the statistics and the data, the CEO of uh, Moderna, and Moderna is one of the three major uh, COVID. Uh, vaccine manufacturers, there's Moderna, there's uh, Pfizer, there's J&J, Johnson Johnson. According to the CEO uh, of Moderna, he says the end of the pandemic may be in sight. You know, he was addressing the question on whether the world could be entering the last stages of the global uh, uh, coronavirus pandemic. And, quote, uh, there's an 80% chance, he says, that there's an 80% chance that uh, Omicron evolves or SARS-CoV-2 viruses evolve. We're going to see less and less virulent viruses. That's according to uh, Stefan um, Bansell. And he was talking to CNBC News in an interview uh, he cautioned that there's still uh, a 20% chance of another scenario emerging involving a mutation, quote, more virulent than the Omicron, so, unquote. So, basically, the assessment of where we are in the pandemic from the, from the chief of the uh, chief of one of the major suppliers of the vaccines uh, gives us some hope that uh, we're getting close to the end. And as usual, we'll basically prepare for the worst and basically hope for the best. Uh, you know, despite overseeing in the stock market, the economy continues to roll along uh, in spite of the headwind. Uh, retail sales in January were up 3.8% above the December numbers and 13% above January uh, of 2021. We'll talk about that later in the show. According to the National Association of Realtors, existing home sales in January increased uh, 6.7% uh, from December. We'll also talk about that. And then industrial production and capacity utilization uh, increased 1.4% in January from uh, December and basically showing that the manufacturing sector continues to grow uh, even as we've exceeded the pre-COVID levels. Uh, that happened last October. So uh, in addition, this week, uh, Congress passed a bipartisan bill. Uh, they passed it, uh, the Senate passed it 65 to 27 uh, to extend government funding for three more weeks uh, President Biden signed the bill Friday. Hopefully, the bill will give Congress more time to reach a deal in funding federal agencies through the end of the 2022 fiscal year. And that fiscal year, the government fiscal year, ends on September 31st. So we've gone through several continuing resolutions, and now they've just uh, uh, signed this last continuing resolution which uh, lasts for three weeks. Hopefully, uh, they'll get a uh, agreement as to how to handle one that will go for uh, 
three weeks from now till the end of the fiscal year. So uh, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, you can give us a call. Uh, uh, we have a toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. I'll repeat that. It's 1-888-281-1110. So, you know, we've been talking about the, the big picture and how that affects your investments. And, and, uh, but you can give us a call and talk about the, uh, your perspective or your, uh, uh, financial plan. We go from the macro to the micro and, uh, and tell us what's happening there. So, uh, give us a call. This is Jim McAleese. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Uh, hey, it's sunshiny out here. Isn't it wonderful? We got the cold weather. We got the the winds have died down anyhow, I think, and uh, we've got some sunlight. So, you know, we talked in the in the start of the show. We talked about you know what's happening in the economy, and the economy is strong. Uh, what's happening to the earnings? Uh, the earnings are continuing to be strong. Uh, basically, what we have here is an equ- economy that uh, uh, is basically fighting the headwinds of the COVID and also the uh, supply chains and uh, uh, is afraid of what the Federal Reserve is going to do uh, to uh, tame the inflation. So, uh, to me... Uh, <clears throat> There's an economy that is extremely strong, but does have some problems. Uh, I'm thankful for that. It's better to, this way than to have a, have a recession. And uh, uh, in the big picture, the economy is strong. The, the labor market is strong. The earnings are there. And the stock market should be there, too. So, And I think it will be there later in this year after the year from the Federal Reserve in March. So... Uh, to me, let's turn our attention now to uh, 
something even more important to us all, and that is our financial plan. And those, uh, the financial plan that we put down in our piece of paper that talks about our goals and uh, uh, what we want in life and depends on where you are in life in terms of if you're just graduating from college, it's an apartment and a car. And uh, <clears throat> if you're getting ready for retirement, it uh, concerns that uh, uh, this nest egg plus the Social Security plus maybe a pension or other things that you have are going to have to last you until, you know, from basically 65 to 95 for 30 years. So uh, in any case, uh, we realize that, you know, life is, the, the, the economy and the society is changing, and the things that were happening, uh, you know, uh, 50 years ago are changing. Uh, you know, the government is trying to um, uh, trying to appear to be capable of of, uh, of uh, giving more and more help to the to the people, but. As far as I'm concerned, the government is uh, kind of strapped out. Uh, in other words, we're basically uh, above $30 trillion. The national debt is above $30 trillion right now. And uh, <clears throat> we're faced with uh, uh, the uh, foreign affairs. We're faced with the specter of Russia and China and and uh, what's that going to cost? And what they, what are we going to do there? And uh, in our own country, we have uh, uh, difficulty getting anything passed in Congress. Um, so the idea here is to basically you realize that uh, as time goes on, we're going to have to rely more and more on ourselves. And that means that... Uh, uh, we're not going to be looking to Congress or the government for too much of anything other than keeping Social Security going and Medicare going. Uh, to me, it looks like uh, uh, it's a matter of sitting down and uh, taking care of your own, you know, grasping your own destiny in terms of saying, okay, uh, what do I want to do? What is, not, not just you, what do your family want to do in terms of of uh, the standard of living, uh, caring the children, uh, the uh, education, uh, uh, the uh, retirement planning, and all the rest of these things. And, yeah, and basically people have to get serious about uh, uh, managing their income uh, to build their, uh, build their net worth so that they can accomplish their goals. You know, we've got the, everybody has to allocate their money towards the necessities, the food, the rent, or the mortgage, the utilities, and, and a little bit over for the vacations, the luxuries, and the dining out, and uh, and also for the savings, you know, the, the savings that are going to be part of the down payments on things. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's the a new car or a house, and sometimes it's the kids' education, and sometimes it's the more serious things like your retirement. So basically, it's uh, it's stay, it's getting there and saying I'm going to put together a a plan that 
uh, reaches from now to the time I'm 95 or 100 and saying, this is how I'm going to uh, get my money and spend my money and to ensure that I can get there. And uh, it's, a, it's a balancing act uh, because you certainly don't want to run out of money. And this, the secret is basically to realize that we're going to make a lot of money in our careers, and but the, the amount of money that we make is basically a finite and limited uh, asset. Uh, we have to make sure that uh, when we get a hold of it, we use it in the best way in terms of uh, uh, housing and cars and living and, and taxes and retirement. And, uh, and that puts a, a burden, a responsibility on our shoulders. And uh, we basically have to step up to it. So, uh, you know, your income is a valuable but limited resource and limited in the sense that uh, it won't be enough to do all the things that we want to do for the rest of our lives. So um, that's basically where we come in. We, can sit there. we generally sit down with our clients and go through their, their planning process and what are their goals and dreams in terms of the houses and cars and living uh, within their beings and uh, the travel. The biggest uh, of all requirements is the secure re- retirement. And... Uh, how much will your goals cost and when will you need the money and how are you going to invest the money? How much do you have to set aside and how do you invest it in order to be able to come up in the future with a certain amount of money to meet your goals? So that's basically what we do. And uh, we've been doing it for basically 30 years. So it's been uh, a long time that we have a lot of experience. So, yeah, the things that are new to you in terms of planning are basically not new to us. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's a matter of saying uh, you've got a responsibility and uh, you have to stand up and meet it. And there there are great benefits to doing that. And the great benefits are that uh, you know that you have a plan. Um, you can make decisions about. Uh, if you want something like a new boat or a new vacation home or something like that, uh, what are you going to give up in the plan? There's a, there's a, there's a plan there that allows you to uh, gauge or balance one of your desires against uh, your other desires. So, so you have a roadmap uh, and uh, you can keep track of where you are relative to the roadmap and make corrections. So that's the benefit of the whole thing. And uh, feel assured and secure and that uh, you're on the uh, on the path to where you want to go. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call. We have this toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Sacrifice 
welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Uh, Colleen, let's go to our caller. Do we have a caller? Yes. I'm calling to find out how the uh, bond market works, because I know when they said that they're going to raise the interest rates, all of a sudden everybody's switching over to bonds. And aren't there like three levels, 10, 20, and 30? And if you buy a bond... I mean, what kind of interest rate? Do you have to hold it for 10 years and they'll pay you the 2 or 3 or 4%? How does that work? Okay. Uh, most people uh, deal with bonds through what they call a bond fund in, in, in terms of your mutual funds or your uh, ETF. Uh, a, mutual, a bond mutual fund will gather a group of bonds together and... Uh, uh, they'll, uh, you buy shares in that particular fund. And the, the, uh, idea here is that the fund goes out and buys a bond. Uh, they pay for the bond. They keep the bond in the bond fund and you get the interest. And, but the bond funds do, uh, go up and down in value. And the reason for that is that right now, uh, you're, what you're seeing right now is the Federal Reserve is going to raise the interest rates. Uh, they said it, and they're going to do it. And the only question is how fast and how high. Uh, the interest rates have been super low for ever since the um, uh, the 2008 uh, time frame, the Great Recession. And then when the uh, COVID hit, they went down to as low as they can go, uh, and now they're beginning to go up. And in in buying a bond, uh, if you were into a bond fund, the the uh, interest rate going up is going to hurt you. In other words, it's going to hurt you because uh, in a bond fund, you make money two ways. One, you collect the interest, which is always positive, and two, your your bond either appreciates in value or depreciates in value. Now, if the interest rates are going up, your bonds are depreciating in value. So in the, in the present world, what you're seeing is the interest rates are going to go up, the, your, your bond funds are going to go down because they're going to have this positive interest, but they're going to have this negative component it says uh, you, those bonds in the bond funds are worth less and less as the interest rates go up. And that's because of the, uh, the bond fund has to be priced uh, to market. So as if, they wanted, as if they had to sell all the bonds tomorrow, uh, that's how they price the bonds in the bond market. So... For, for a better explanation, let's go to and say you bought a bond. Okay. Let's say you go out and buy a bond, and uh, let's say it's a uh, uh, a AA, which is an investment-grade bond. It's good as a maturity of 10 years, and uh, you get your 4% uh, interest. Okay. So if you hold, if you, let's say you pay $1,000 for that bond. Uh, 
you, you pay the $1,000, it's a 4% bond, you're going to get $40 a year. It's going to come in two payments uh, per year. And uh, you're going to hold on to it for 10 years. And uh, at the end of the 10 years, you, you turn it in to, and to the person who sold you the bond, and they gave you $1,000 back. So you made $40, $40, $40 a year for the 10 years, and they get your $1,000 back. Now, yeah. is that while the interest rates are up or interest rates are down? Well, if the, if the if you hold on to a bond till it's maturity, then you get the interest rates that are posted on that particular bond. The interest oh, okay. rates do not change on that bond. But if, for instance, uh, you bought that bond a year ago or two years ago, and let's say the interest rates go up, now, you bought the bond, it's a 4% bond, it's paying you $40 a year, and the interest rates have gone up, and you wonder how much your bond is worth. You're going to sell it. So you go to a bond dealer like me or any other broker, and you say, okay, uh, will you buy this bond? And they'll say, yes, I'll buy the bond. Uh, but they'll look in the uh, charts and say, well, uh, this bond is a... A 10-year bond, it's got eight years left, uh, it pays uh, 4%, it pays $40 a year. Uh, according to my, according to the data that I have right now, interest rates have gone up. So I can go buy a brand-new bond for, uh, let's say, 6%. brand-new bond will pay me 6%. I'll pay $1,000 for it. And uh, I'll I'll get sixty dollars a year in interest. You're trying to sell me a bond that only pays forty dollars a year. Oh, so they might so, say, well, you know what? We're only going to offer you eight hundred dollars, right? Instead of exactly. your thousand that you put into it. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, so that's how so that as, works. Yeah. So as as the interest rates go up, the value of your uh, bond. Uh, goes down. Is it better to buy a bond when the interest rates go up or when the interest rates go down? Oh, when the interest rates go down is the best time to buy bonds. You know, ever since, uh, oh, ever since uh, 1982, you know, when uh, uh, Volcker instituted that uh, uh, instituted that recession in about 81 or 82, uh, interest rates at that time, he pushed interest rates up to 20%. And basically... That's the good inflation. old days. <laughs> and, yeah, when you, people still tell me about, oh, I can get... I, I've seen CDs for 8%, you know. Yeah, right. those are the good old days. <laughs> now, ever since 82, bond prices, uh, interest rates have been going down, down, down. Those were the good old days in the bond market. You know, those were the days when uh, you could buy a bond and you collected the interest on it, and then you also uh, got the appreciation the bond was going up in value. You know, just like I went through that thing, the, the, uh, 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 if the interest rates would go down, let's say you got this 4% bond that's paying $40 a year, and the interest rates go down, and you go to a broker, and he he can 
he'll give you more than a thousand dollars to buy your bond because uh, he looks at his tables and he says, well, if I buy a brand new bond today, I can get a two percent bond that pays me twenty dollars a year, and you're giving me a, a bond that pays me forty dollars a year. So he might give you twelve hundred dollars for your. Oh, okay. So you got to buy low and then sell when those things start go up. You got to buy when interest rates are going down. Then you collect the interest as well as the appreciation in the price of the uh, bond. Okay. And you don't have to hold on to it for 10 years. You can sell it at any time? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, the the way to get around that is to basically uh, have a what they call a bond ladder. In other words, the way the insurance companies and the banks work, uh, they buy bonds, and the interest rates could go up and down, but they don't care because they have liabilities, like a pension fund. They have right. liabilities in the future, and they buy a bond for, for I'll say, it's a 20-year bond, they know that uh, they're going to hold on to that bond for 20 years and collect the interest in whatever the uh, price, uh, whatever the interest rates go do, they don't give a darn because they're going to still get $1,000 or whatever they paid for the bond when it matures. So, But you and I, dealing with bond funds, that bond fund is marked to market. It's not marked to maturity like the... Uh, bonds for the uh, banks and, and the insurance companies that they hold. Oh, okay. So, so what you do is buy bonds that, for instance, if you if you need money to increment so much money for a year, then you buy a bond that says, I'm, "This is a ten-year bond that's going to pay off in this year," and you realize that you're going to uh, turn that bond in that particular year when it matures. And then you buy a longer-term bond that will mature the next year and the next year. So you've you got a collection of bonds with 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 maturity dates that uh, line up with when you need the money. So that's called okay, a bond. Okay, so the line. banks get their interest and their money back if they hold on to it. But for us, uh, you got to buy low, sell high, and try to ride that wave and know when to get in and get out then. Well, the the wave is against us right now. <laughs> what, what's happening? What's happening right now is that the time for uh, bond, uh, the time for interest rates going down is over, uh, and the time for interest rates to go up is here. So, oh, okay. Uh, you, you're gonna. It's very very difficult to make money in bonds in today's markets. Okay. So, All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for calling. Hello, this is uh, Jim McAleese. Can I help you? Hello. Yep. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. Okay. My question is, you mentioned about bonds and how the insurance company or the bank buys them and they're not marked to market, so they hold they could hold for 10 years and they don't care about the interest rate because they're going to hold the bond and, and collect whatever the interest was and they're holding it to maturity. My question right. to you is, in, in I know rates are going, to, are going to be going up here, but in the last, let's say, you know, five, six, seven years, even longer, 
Um, the interest rates were nothing, and they were well below the, the real inflation level. So if I'm holding a, if I'm a bank or an insurance company, I'm holding a 10-year bond, I'm, I've been losing money over the last couple of years when you factor in the inflation. Why would they even want to buy the bonds at the interest rate they were getting? Well, part of, the, part of it is because of the requirement that they uh, preserve that money. In other words, that a certain portion of it be in bonds, and that's a, that's a requirement. And what you see is that uh, uh, they've hunted around because uh, pension funds and uh, insurance companies have hunted around for alternate investments other than bonds uh, just because of that. And it hasn't been as it, it hasn't been as as terrible as you've outlined there, because basically ever since uh, interest rates went down, 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 and bonds were good until about 2008, and then interest rates flattened out. But in, inflation was also very low uh, since 2008. Inflation was about one and a half percent. So. If they had a 20-year bond that was paying in uh, 4%, they were okay. So uh, it's only now that when the interest rates are going up that they really, they're really really looking around for alternative uh, uh, debt instruments other than uh, uh, bonds. So Were they okay. buying bonds, Jim? Jim, were they buying bonds that were more, more riskier then or something? Because the Treasury That's, bonds... We're, we're, okay. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. They, it, it, it pushes you into more and more risk. That's a, that's the whole thing. The people okay. are, are moved, had, had moved in. Okay. Thank you very Thank much. You. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. This is Jim McAleese. Um, where are we in the show here? Oh, okay. This is Jim McAleese. And, what I was talking about before in terms of uh, uh, bonds and stocks, uh, right now uh, the, the stocks, just like last year, the stocks uh, in the Standard & Poor uh, 500, uh, they made about 25%. Now, you don't have all your money in stocks. You have to have part of your money in bonds. And it's been very, very difficult. Uh, to make money in bonds, in bond funds, uh, because we're, that's what we're talking about here in terms of the interest rates. So the idea here is to uh, hunt around and find uh, alternatives to the uh, uh, to the uh, uh, the bond funds that'll give you a uh, safe. Uh, rate of return. So, this is Jim McAlee. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. Well, we've made it through another week of winter and it's bone chilling cold. How will we ever get to the spring? Well, I suppose we'll get there. One step at a time and don't give up. We have to persevere. These are the things we learn as we go through life. Things that when I have a problem, sometimes it's me. 
We learn that growing old is inevitable, but growing up is optional. And basically that there's no key to happiness. The door is always open. We learn that to solve any problem or to reach your goal, we don't need to know all the answers in advance, but we need to have a clear idea of the problem or the goal that we want to reach. Yes, we do have to know where we're going. That's the basic idea. Remember, I also remember, don't procrastinate when faced with a big, difficult problem. What you do is break the problem into its parts, and then you handle one part at a time. And then also remember that the most important things in our homes are our people. And also remember, if you can get up the courage to begin, you have the courage to succeed. It's a job that you never start that takes the longest to finish. Also remember that don't worry about what lies dimly in the distance, but do what lies clearly ahead. Remember that a grudge is a heavy thing to carry. Remember that your biggest opportunity is where you are right now. Once you begin, you're half done. We know that we do not remember days, but moments. So life moves too fast. So enjoy your precious moment. Remember that nothing is real to you until you experience it. Otherwise, it's just you say. It's all right to sit on your pity pity potty every now and then, but just be sure to flush it when you're done. Know that surviving and living our life successfully requires courage. The goals and dreams we seek require courage and risk-taking. Learn from this. been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.